Last week, we, uh, uh, we talked about uh, uh, not fretting. Did you guys fret this week? Anybody have a little, fret, a little fretting? <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> Thank you for the honesty. Thank you. I see that hand, yes. <laughs> and delighting in the Lord and waiting patiently for him. I, I want to acknowledge, though, that, that when we're in a really difficult emotional space, all of that is super hard to do. You know, don't fret. Well, when you're terrified or when you're, you're, you're grieving or, or when, when the chips are down, it's sometimes very, very difficult to make those things happen. And uh, um, so I want to I address uh, this a little bit of, of some things that I think we can do when we are completely consumed with a hard situation. Uh, I, I, I think right now, thankfully for many of us, so we look at 2020, 2020 is now a giant cliche, right? Like everybody, 2020, oh, like yes, we all know it was like super hard, right? And we all know it even spilled into 2021, oh, it's like so terrible. Maybe one day we'll be able to look back uh, uh, and, and be like, okay, it wasn't all bad, hopefully. Um, but I, I am thankful, I, I, hopefully you guys are, are thankful too, that, that it does seem like we're returning to some, some normalcy. Like it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Um, you know, a lot of things are opening up more and more. The, the, the spread of the virus has just plummeted here in the US. It's it really good news. So I am feeling more hopeful uh, uh, than I was, you know, a little while ago. So maybe you're there too. Maybe you're not there. I know a lot of people are still reeling, losing loved ones, uh, uh, economic crisis because of everything shut down, uh, uh, all the turmoil. We're in different places. But if you are in a hopeful place today, I hope you can just take these and tuck them away for when hard times come, because sometimes they just do. And I wanna follow the example of the psalmist in Psalm chapter 77. He starts this way. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. Think about that. Think about when you can't sleep because you are so worked up, when you're so anxious, you're so stressed. Your eyelids is like you can't close them. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? And will he be favorable? Oops, sorry. Uh, and has his promises failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, in anger, shut up his tender mercies? Can you hear a man in despair? Now, we don't know what kind of trouble he's in, but it's obviously thick. And right now, it's all he can see. It's all he can see. And I, I, I want to observe how honest he is about his predicament. He's not throwing something out like, things are kind of bad, I guess, but God, he's good and he'll bring us. No, it's not where he is. 
He's saying, this is terrible. Have you forgotten me? You know, you know you can do that, right? I want to tell you guys, every emotion that you have is safe with your heavenly father. Every fear that you have is safe with him. Every bit of anger you have is safe with him. The danger comes when we bottle that up and never express that. I think he says, just come, just come. All you who are weary, cast your burdens on me. Come. That's what the psalmist does. I remember years ago, uh, I think this was 2008, when I had uh, flown up uh, or driven up from uh, uh, California to be with Pastor Jeff and the youth for a retreat in Salem. And I got to speak with them and hang out with them. And and we had a little uh, uh, outreach time in the downtown area. And we walked around at night and we had these cool little hot chocolate things that you'd wear on your back and you could just fill up. It was really cool. You could walk around, you'd fill up hot chocolate for people. And we would give it to to people on the street. And uh, uh, some of them were homeless and some of them were just around and we got to pray with them. This is a really cool thing. Well, at the very end of the night, we all got back together, gathered, and, and there was this one young man who a bunch of uh, uh, our youth were around and talking to, and, and uh, they were trying to encourage him, but he was not being encouraged. And he, he told us a bit about himself and his story, and come to find out, he was, I think, 16 years old, had been in the foster care system his entire life, had been abused, had been tossed from one home to another, and I think he was waiting on a bus to get out of town or something. Incredibly sad story. And so he was not being encouraged by the love of the Lord. And it wasn't because he didn't believe in God. I'll never forget what he said. He said, you guys keep talking about love. If love existed, I would have felt it by now. If love existed, I would have felt it. Do you see how being in a place of immense pain can put you in a place where your reality is is very limited? Sometimes it stretches for years and years like with this young man. I hope to God that he has experienced love. But sometimes when you're in the midst of grieving someone that you love, when you're in the midst of, 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 of a lot of fear, when your world's turned upside down, it's very difficult to see anything outside of that current experience. It's like, a, it's like a, a, a cloud that's just following you around and raining all the time, and you're sure that all it does is rain everywhere. Well, that's where the psalmist is in Psalm 77. It's so bad, he cannot see the goodness of God at all. He cannot see hope. So here's what he does. He has a prescription as he keeps talking. Verse 10 says this. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. His prescription was to remember. We've talked several times about those instances when we don't have joy and we can't manufacture joy. And, and, And what I've always encouraged you guys to do is to import it from other places to import it, to borrow your friend's joy, 
Hey, they're having a birthday party. They're celebrating something great. Great, good. Celebrate with them. Import that joy. Import joy from those who have it uh, at a greater capacity. The same is true with hope. Sometimes you need to import hope. And I think we need to do that with community, but we also do that with our own histories. Because it's not always been exactly like it is today. Let me explain what I mean. Four years ago, I had one of my best days ever. Some of you were there. It was really cool. It was a Sunday. It was a day when a whole bunch of us wore the same blue shirt that said Team Flapjack. How many of you guys were there that day? Yeah, look at you guys. So great. Uh, it, was a, it was a 5K at Alton Baker Park, and it was a run for autism. So we decided to organize a 5K team for our son, Jack. And his, uh, his nickname on the bedtime stories was, was Flapjack. That was his superhero name. <laughs> so we made shirts. Sarah's brother designed a logo. It was awesome. And, uh, and we didn't know who was going to sign up and come. Or, uh, you know, if it would catch... Well, the day of the race, we had over 60 runners in these blue shirts. And there were lots of teams that were with, you know, various kids, but our team dwarfed all of the other teams. You see, like it was on the news and stuff, you'd see people running. You see the sea of blue. There's blue everywhere. And I'm like, those are our people. And I remember that day running with, with, with a whole crew uh, uh, around me the whole time. And, and, and it wasn't like some of them were, 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 were you know, running at all different speeds. Some, but I had a whole crew right with me. And they were just like determined to run with me the whole time. And it was so symbolic on so many levels. It was this beautiful day. I remember the next day as I was recounting the whole thing with Doug Easterday. He was asking me how I felt it went. And I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with how much you guys and so many others loved us. And he said this. Well, first he did this Doug Easterday thing. It was, mm. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Does that? Mm. And then he said this, Jason, let this carry you. Let what happened yesterday carry you. In other words, hold on to this memory. Don't let it go. Because you're going to need it through hard days. Let it carry you through. You see, sometimes the memories of the goodness of God and, 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 and the love of, of neighbor and the love of friend is enough to actually do something deep and beautiful in our lives. And it was funny because that very night, we had a serious meltdown at our house and some massive OCD and some huge anxiety. But you know what? Even though there was screaming that went on for a couple of hours, there was still that peace of God because of what had just taken place. Memories of, 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 of goodness can carry us. So I, wanna, I want to advise you this morning three things I want you to remember. Three, it's a very simple message. The first one is this. Remember your baptism. Remember your baptism. Amber Riggs told me to read Tish Harrison Warren's book called Liturgy of the Ordinary. Anybody ever read that one? It's wonderful. Um, she is a, a, uh, an Anglican priest in, up in the Northeast. And she has a whole first chapter on this concept, remembering your baptism. 
Now, in her Anglican tradition, um, what they do, they have infant baptism. It's obviously not something we do here. It's not really in line with our theological beliefs, but they, 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 they baptize as infants, and, and they have the baptismal, like, right in the back of the sanctuary. And so uh, what people do on a, on a Sunday is they come in and they dip their fingers in the baptismal as a way of reminding themselves, remember your baptism. And she, she advises this all the time, remember your baptism. But here's what, she, here's what she says. She's not talking specifically like about the instance of the day or the temperature of the water or any of this. Here's what she says. By remembering our baptism, I do not mean that we must literally recall historic details of an event in our life which I personally can barely remember. She was baptized at six years old. Instead, I recall that one Sunday morning as I was plunged underwater in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I was marked. In the Anglican baptismal liturgy, we tell the newly baptized that they are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Galatians tells us that we are clothed in Christ in baptism, clothed in the beloved Son in whom the Father is well pleased. To use Paul's more chilling image, on, the day, on that day as a six-year-old, I died and was buried, and then reversing the whole order of the universe, newly born with Christ. As Christians, we wake each morning as those who are baptized. We are reunited with Christ and the approval of the Father is spoken over us. We are marked from our first waking moment by an identity that is given to us by grace, an identity that is deeper and more real than any other identity we will don that day. Your identity, friends, as a child of God, is deeper and more real than any other identity you will don. It is deeper than your career, though you might be known for your career. It is deeper than your race. It is deeper than your deep political convictions. It is even deeper than your sports allegiances. Why well, I can stand shoulder to shoulder with someone like Anthony Fashera, who is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. That was hard. It took me a while. Remember your baptism, friends. Remember, remember that you are marked with the love of the Father and the newness of life. And that is the deepest truth about you. You are not an unattached bundle of skin and bones. You are a child of God uh, uh, who, 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 who is a citizen of his kingdom. That means when you hurt, you don't hurt alone. And you've never been alone. Remember your baptism. The second thing. Remember your destiny. Remember your destiny. You are not of this world, and one day you will be with Jesus with whom you were baptized. Revelation 21, 1 through 5 says this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. 
There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. This is your destiny. This is why we, we cannot afford to despair. We cannot afford to despair. Not only do we have a rich history, we have a rich, we have a rich future. You know, in the early 1800s, or in the 1800s and early 1900s, um, it's, it's fascinating how the, the especially in, in the American South, the black church hung on to this point in a beautiful way. And in a way that I think a lot of white churches never had to, to grapple with. I mean, if you're dealing with, with slavery and segregation and all these terrible, terrible things, you are uh, not living an easy life living under constant oppression. And one of the things that they clung to was this idea that one day all will be made new, that one day oppression will cease, that one day sickness and sorrow and beatings and tears and all of these things will be done. And that's why they sang songs like this. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. If you get there before I do, coming for to carry me home. Tell all my friends I'm coming too, coming for to carry me home. The brightest day that I ever saw, coming for to carry me home when Jesus washed my sins away, coming for to carry me home. I'm sometimes up and sometimes down, coming for to carry me home. But still my soul feels heavenly bound, coming for to carry me home. They held on to that truth that they had been washed clean by Jesus and one day they would be with him forever. And that sustained them. That sustained them. And I, I wonder if you're like me, that sometimes you don't think about this or even think to hold on about this because it sounds cheap and because people made a, a big deal about heaven and the end times and all of this kind of stuff and maybe some treat it as escapism, but I'm telling you guys, this is a beautiful thing that we remember not only our allegiance to him through baptism, but that we are reminded of our, of our destiny to be with him forever and for all to be made new. We must not forget that. We dare not forget that. Remember your baptism. Remember your destiny. And finally, there's this. Remember God's faithfulness. Between your baptism and your destiny, God is still at work. Isn't that good news? Last week, we said it over and over again, and then this morning... We sang the song, even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. I want those words to continue to pummel you 
as they pummel me. You never stop. You never stop working. And to really believe that, because your baptism was long ago and your destiny is way down the road. What about in the meantime? You might not be able to feel it, but he's doing things. And he's done things. And our histories, I think, are richer than we acknowledge sometimes. Josh, can you come? We're gonna take communion in, in uh, just a couple of minutes. If you did not get elements, can you raise your hand? I actually need one, too, again, for the second time in a row. I forgot to bring one up. Sometimes we need to carve a little space to remember the good things he's done. And maybe they were grand miracles, uh, but, you know, probably not. Oftentimes it's not big old miracles that we have to hold on to. If you have a big miracle to remember, please hold on to that. Please remember. But sometimes there are little things. In fact, sometimes, uh, I, you know, we, it's something we've, we've, we've had an experience where we've been in a rough place and we've cried out to God for help. And he actually did help. And then sometimes we have a tendency to just kind of forget when he does. We cry out for, for uh, him to alleviate a pain or just come through in some way. And, and he does, and, and, but we just sort of go on. It's okay, well, these things are back to normal. And I want to think specifically about those things. You guys know it was kind of a rough spring for our, our, our family. We had some, a lot of turmoil uh, uh, down at uh, uh, my family in, in Texas, some just really, really heavy things. And, and then up here, we had two car accidents. So, uh, uh, and so first Emily and uh, uh, my boys and, and some of the Fajardos too, yeah, you guys, uh, <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, um, had been uh, uh, in a car accident. And, and then in, in uh, April, Jenna was in a, a very serious accident and she had a lacerated spleen and a concussion and a broken wrist and she was in the hospital for days and, and had to get surgery and all of these things. And that's really, really hard as a parent to watch your kid in pain. You guys who have been parents a while, you know what this is. It is like when you see them writhing around in a hospital with tubes in them and it's just... It is excruciating to watch. And you start thinking, you start getting all, we were just so stressed and so anxious. And, and you start thinking like, we could have lost her. And if we had, I guarantee you that I would be up saying, why didn't you protect my daughter? I would have. I mean, you guys know, I advocate for being honest with God all the time and bringing all of that to him. I would have. I would have been saying, Lord, you could have done it. Why didn't you do it? And I think he would have been okay for, to feel those things because that's what he wants. So if that's the case, if I'm gonna do that and, 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 and bring those complaints to him, the very least I can do is thank him when he protects. You see what I'm saying? We're in this weird place right now in, in, our, in our culture where when something is bad, we rail at God that it's bad. But when something's good, we don't even thank him. And there's something very intellectually dishonest and inconsistent about that. 
If we can come and present our complaints to him and present our questions to him, can we not also come and present our thanks? And as I think of our spring, I think that was hard, but you know what? Thank you, Jesus. All of my children are whole. All of them are whole. He is faithful. He walks through the valley with us. So I want to ask you guys to carve out a couple of minutes here right now. Josh is going to play this song that they ended with. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am and who God is and who I am. We're going to take a moment. And after we do that, we're going to come back with those memories. So I want you to, to, to search yourself, to search your memory. And think, Lord, you have been faithful. Can you remind me? Because you might have just walked right past it. That's the thing. I end up doing that. I end up crying out for something when things are hard, and then I walk past it when he, comes, when he comes through. And I think it's good for us to stop and go, wait a minute, I was crying out for relief, and you gave me relief. Have I even talked to you about that? Remember his faithfulness. Let's take a couple of minutes and do that. Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we're going to take this not only in remembrance of his sacrifice, but in remembrance of the spirit of Jesus who continues to walk through with us through good times, through bad times, through sorrow and hope. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you have always stayed with us. We choose to remember you this morning. Let's take it together. And he poured the wine. He said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that your forgiveness did not end when you died and resurrected, but it keeps on rolling. We thank you for your patience with us, for that too is evidence of your faithfulness. And we say this morning, we will not forget that. We will not forget you. Let's take it together. Friends, remember your baptism. Remember your destiny. And remember the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in your life.